What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. Yes, I'm finally... The boy has returned. The boy has returned from gallivanting overseas in Europe to talk some Eagles football. And since then, the Eagles have been 1-0. Now they're 4-0 because I've come back. And I want to get into all of it because I missed it. I missed you, Kevin Kincaid. I missed you, EJM. I missed you, even Ford. Ford, I even missed you. Hey, congrats on your Celtics for getting a little bit better last night with the Drew Holiday trade. I even missed you, Ford. Let's bring on Kevin Kincaid because I want to talk about I don't know everything there is to talk about, Kev. Come on. Shimon Lee. I got you. Come on. There we go. All oh, right. Forgot, forgot. Producers off for the second time, yeah. second week in three weeks. I mean, I go away. That's fine. Okay. It's okay. We work hard here and stuff. It's okay. I got I, I did get engaged, so I actually have a reason why Craig why Craig's been off for two weeks in the last three. So I don't know what's going on with the kid, but you, you know just what? Slid that in there? You're just casually gonna slide that in there. That you I don't want to talk about it. It's not about me. This show isn't about me, Kev. This okay. is about everything I've missed over the week. It's about the four and Eagles. It's about the Marlins getting red October. It's definitely not about me, and it's definitely not about the Philadelphia 76ers. I'll tell you that one. Well, Jesus it doesn't have Christ. to be about it. Doesn't have to be about you, but I think the people in the chat. Would like to say congratulations, you know. Thanks everybody happy, in the chat for saying congratulations. <laughs> I appreciate your sentiment there, right? It's that's not it's not like um it's not like after Elliot got married, like WIP, I think spent a whole week um breaking down like the wet the wedding or whatever. I think because it was a very slow, slow portion of the of the calendar there. But we are happy for you. Congratulations. Thank you. Look I missed, congratulations. Look at this. I missed I missed a lot. I missed uh Damian Lillard got traded, it felt like for a bag of balls. Uh, Drew Holiday gets traded when I, I was actually home for that. The Eagles did beat up. It felt like I didn't watch the highlights or anything, but it felt like the Eagles beat up on the on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like it was never even that close. Never even really got uh, people people nervous and whatnot. Did I miss anything else? I missed the Phillies clinching. Uh, missed the Phillies clinching? Yeah. It, well, I'll, I'll be honest, man. I'm, I'm happy for you. It wasn't the best time to take off. I was considering uh, emailing our boss and being like, uh, I think we got to institute like a no taking off during football season it, next year because Craig's fucking off now. Yeah. We got no producer today. We got no photographer tomorrow. I'm like flying by the seat of my pants here. My wife's in Pittsburgh for a business trip. I got both of the girls. You're doing god knows what in europe so i climbed a bunch of mountains rode a bunch of gondolas which i didn't know we were actually aerial uh things as well as they are by by sea as well i know Um, it was the kincaid show crossing broad last week i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing i also would like to take a moment to apologize to people who are listening on the audio feed because i fucked it up last week I, i guess i set up the show the wrong way to where it streamed perfectly fine but i couldn't rip the audio out of it for some reason so i apologize that there's no uh there was no audio version of the show this week, but what can you do, man? We're ju- juggling a lot of balls here. We got a lot of a lot on the plate. I mean, yeah, think about today, man. This was like, do you remember last year where we were like on a, on a computer for like thirty five days straight or something? Phillies yeah. playoffs, Eagles four and zero. I mean, Sixers. I mean, I feel like Sixers media day is just falling by the wayside as Daryl Morey combats the the thought that he's a liar. You know, I mean, normally that, that would have been like four posts in a row on the site and it would have been viral, you know, click after click after click. And now we're just like, well, let's just do this. Let's wrap up these, this Eagles game first. And then the Philly, the Philly's in the playoffs, man. I mean, holy shit, you know? Yeah. It's about to, it's about to be the most busiest time of the, uh, of the season. And, and I really, you know, shout out to the, uh, to the Eagles and the Phillies for at least being good. Cause we do remember, I remember reading the site when it was back in like 2014, 2015, when Kyle was just running it and it was like, what the fuck do you talk about? 
You know, I'd rather I'd rather be working 35 days straight than, you know, trying to force feed, you know, six blog posts a day on <laughs> anything on, on whatever. I know. Yeah, I'd much. Yeah, this is much better problem to have. I, uh, you know, my editorial thought for the site was that we do the Philly stuff on Tuesday because you because by by, you know, you barf out all the Eagles day after stuff while it's still relevant. And then everybody kind of switches over into Philly's mode on Tuesday, I would think. So I think that's where my my head was at this morning, just because there's so much to talk about from that Eagles game. I, I, you know, crazy like half a dozen legitimate sequences that like serve as pivot points, like things that change the game, one way or another. You know, you had the AJ Brown taunting penalty, you had the the Edmonds late hit, uh, you had Ron Rivera deciding to uh, play for overtime instead of going for for two there. I mean, that's naming three of them off the top of my head. Um, but man, that game, I felt like, uh, I wouldn't say I enjoyed, I wouldn't say I enjoyed watching it in the, were you ever nervous that they wouldn't pull it out? No, I was not either. No, No. once, once riverboat Ron, which he should have that nickname be taken away from him forever for not going for two killing Eagles when he could have, uh, once he didn't go for two, I was like, okay, this is the Eagles ball game. (laughs) I, did you read his explanation for that? They were Uh, gassed, but like. I but you know who else was, was you know who else was gassed? The Eagles defense was probably gassed. Yeah. Right. So you know, considering the way considering what happened on that drive, they converted or there was like a third and 17 at one point. They got it to fourth down, they converted that fourth down, and then they scored on the fourth down. I'm like, shit, man, you're playing with house money at this point. You're on the road, especially mm-hmm. after he after what he did in the first quarter when he went for uh you know, when he he went for it on fourth down there and they got the mm-hmm. touchdown to open. I'm like, oh, this is old school Ron Rivera here we're seeing, mm-hmm. you know. But then he 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 decided not to do that because he said they were get they were gassed. Okay, so the alternative the alternative is like they get f- five minutes to chill out and then they're right back on the field and they gotta drive the whole length of the field again. What does you know? Ron Rivera have to lose? What do the com- commanders have to lose? They're gonna be in, they're probably gonna end up maybe the third or the fourth team. Yeah. In the uh, in the NFC East, when everything's said and done, Ron Rivera's coaching for his job. I would probably assume. I mean, Josh Harris is the new owner. He probably wants to get some one of his guys in there if if he doesn't get to the uh, the playoffs this year. I agree 100 percent with you. I just don't know what he has to lose to not go for it on for the two point conversion and potentially you know take this this team to like the next level. Like, oh my God, could you imagine everything that would have been written about Sam Howe, everything that would have been, you know, written about Terry McLaurin, everything that would have been written about Ron Rivera and Eric Bieniemy and everything. And Josh Harris has this team turned around. They're three and one. Oh my God, should we, we be worried about the commanders and everything? And now it's just, now it's nothing. Now you're two and two. Now everybody doesn't believe in you. You're a, you're a, you're a doorstop in the, uh, or you're in the, uh, you're in the basement of the NFC East. And now the two world beaters, the Cowboys and the Eagles in the NFC East and no one else believes in you. So, well, I don't know. Yeah, and the other reason I really liked what they did on the first drive to begin with is you're coming into a game on the road against an Eagles team that at the time was number two in the league in time of possession, number two in in play differential, like plays the amount of plays the Eagles have run minus the amount of plays that the opponent has run. And you know that they're going to score. You know, they're going to want to chew clock. You know, they're going to going to want to run the ball. So for them to keep the ball and, and pound it and extend that drive, I mean, I thought that was great. I thought they came out with the right game plan. I thought Sam Howell played really well, to be honest. Um, and, but, yeah, it was just it was just crazy to me. I was sitting there thinking, like, they're going to go for this and they're going to try to try to win here. And then when they lined up to kick the extra point, I was like, man, I can't believe they did that, you know. Um, just because it seemed to, I think there's like a lot of, like, you know, there's like a lot of, 
non-quantifiable stuff. You can't put a, a number on uh, like momentum, right? But wouldn't you say at that point, like they, they Washington was driving, they had all the, the momentum in the game and like, you know, sphincters were getting a little tight, you know, at, at the link, right? I mean, like if there was ever going to be a, a chance to go for it, I thought that was it. So I was surprised they didn't, they didn't go for it there. Who... What are you most worried about? Are are because I did write this in the uh, in the write up on on Twitter. Are the Eagles good? Are the Eagles great? Are the Eagles okay? Like who are you most worried? I'll ask a two part question, and I'll who are you most worried about? Are you most worried about the coordinators? Are you most worried about the coaching? Are you most worried about Jalen Hurts, who I don't know if if he might be dealing with something in the lower body injury area that's undisclosed because he just kind of looks. He kind of looks like he, he can't get around the edge as much anymore. Uh, I remember he he slid, which is, you know, some people will be cool with, some people won't be cool with, but he was coming down on a cornerback who's like probably like 50 pounds lighter than him. I mean, it would have been nice to see him make one juke move or maybe run him over and get a couple more yards instead of him, you know, sliding, you know, at the line of scrimmage. But what are you, are they good? Are they not good? Are they great? And then who are you most worried about right now for them if they aren't great getting to be great? Yeah, you know, it's funny because coming into the game, wouldn't we agree collectively that our biggest concern was like trying to get Jalen Hurts going in the passing game? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Great. he had probably had his best he has best passing game of the year, right? Yeah. So, um, I, I think the concern was the regression on the defensive side, you know, for them to go and, you know, hold hold Tampa without a touchdown to the fourth quarter of of that game Monday night and then to come to come back and get carved up by Washington was uh was not ideal. So that that would probably be it for me after this game. I mean, you can say what you want about the the officiating, which was which was terrible on both sides, to be quite honest. I mean, just keep the damn flag in the in the pocket sometimes. I and mean, that's that's what made this game, you know, not not aesthetically pleasing to watch. But yeah. but yeah, I mean, that was a step back, you know. They they weren't really getting a lot of pressure. I mean, they got they got Moro through the through the line a couple of times on like those delayed blitz kind of like mm-hmm. half half spy, you know, coming late thing, but Hassan Reddick finally uh, getting through at the end there. Um, defensive line wasn't what they were on, on Monday night. I, I don't know. So, so I guess, I guess if, I guess as I say that, the realization is that they just haven't put it all together yet. I mean, we've seen enough uh, from Jalen in the passing passing game. Now he's AJ Brown was, I mean, has been elite over the last two weeks, and that yeah. stupid sideline argument looks like the biggest nothing burger. Yeah, like right. No matter what Joe DeCamera wants to go on Twitter and say about there being a AJ Brown problem, I mean, somebody actually made the point on Twitter the other day that sports radio was the original uh, engagement farming, you know, which makes <laughs> total sense. By the way, you know, it's not clickbait anymore. Nobody talks about clickbait. They talk about engagement farming. Engagement, engagement farming. farming is the new, is the new mm-hmm. uh, like dirty word on Twitter, but. I guess yeah. that would be it. Yeah. Does that answer the question? Like putting it all together, right? Yeah, kind of. Um, I think the Eagles are the most frustrating 4-0 team in the history of my lifetime. Uh, it's crazy to think that they're 4-0. <laughs> you would never believe it if you just uh, looked at social media. Uh, um, but it's funny because them starting 4-0 last year was, well, you haven't been battle tested. You know, they were just beating everybody besides um, – Detroit, they were just beating everybody pretty handily. Now this year, it's like, well, you haven't played anyone good. So those are always the narratives that are like, I feel like that that's sprout up with with these Eagles teams or or uh, with you know a lot of teams. I'm afraid that they might be the Vikings of last year. Like hmm. they're good, they could be the number one, number two seed. Um, I think they have a better team than the Vikings did last year. 
but if they get the number two seed and they lose to some hot upstart, you know, like the Giants in the first round of the playoffs, people will just be like, I told you so. And that's probably what I'm worried about the most right now. I'll tell you, I'll, I do have two legitimate concerns because I think I, it's funny because people always say, well, it's early. You know, it's only a couple games. It's always well, yeah. I mean, the NFL season's not long, man. So four games used to be 25% of your season when you have the 16-game schedule. Now with the 17 games, it's always a bitch to figure out what the percentage is. But still, I mean, you're almost a quarter of the way there. And I agree with you with Jalen's running, man. It looks like he's not um, – I don't know. Does he look slow to you or like his elusiveness isn't isn't there? If I got to see him like slowly just like looping around like – Yeah. There's a, there's a defensive end he did it, And I know defensive ends yeah. are one of the fastest guys on the line, but there's a defensive end that he was always – he was the best in the league at shifting to the outside and just getting around the corner and getting like three, four, five yards. At least beat that first guy off the corner. Yeah, he would yeah. always now, beat the first guy. Yeah, now it feels like he, you know, I think that goes hand in hand too with, well, let me say this first. The, the biggest run that he had in that game yesterday was in the fourth quarter when he shrug, shrugged off a guy in the pocket and then he was able to escape ver- vertically, right? So it wasn't a boundary run. He wasn't going laterally. He was able to go forward, plant and do his, you know, that cut that's that's good enough to beat guys who are bigger than him, you know, and he turned that into something. But yeah, I mean, the, the zone read game, and the RPO game really hasn't been there this year. Sirianni and uh, Nick Sirianni, Brian Johnson, were asked about it last week, and they their their answers were both the same. They just said, you know, we're still calling it, but most of the reads are going to just handing the ball off instead because teams are playing it that way. Okay, that's fine, but like, I mean, you remember watching, man, how they would, you know, they'd have you know uh, Miles Sanders like maybe in the backfield last year, and they motion him out as a mm-hmm. as a receiver, or something they go five wide empty set, and they just run Hurts. You know, like you yeah. haven't really seen that be Which hasn't been, hasn't been yeah. working that much this year. Yeah. And yeah. I go back to that when uh when they paid Hertz this year and Sirianni had that quote that was like, Well, we didn't pay him more for him to do less. And I know he had a great game yesterday, but I feel like he's doing less. Maybe they are keeping him safe and everything, and he's he's told in practice, you know, you gotta you gotta go down. You we can't, you know, we, we saw what happened with Carson Wentz, man. Carson Wentz, you know, yeah. we paid him. He was just injured for, you know, the rest of his career, and it kind of just had a mental uh, and physical, you know, uh, it took a mental toll and a physical toll on him. So, you know, maybe we're just, you know, grasping at straws right now, but it just doesn't it doesn't feel like this elite offense that we had, and, and maybe that's why you go back to Brian Johnson. And I love Brian Johnson's call on the second touchdown to A.J. Brown. Uh, I thought that was some big ball call right there from him. But before that, I mean, what was it? The third and 11, they had a run to Kenny Gainwell. Yeah, this um, is where I wish we had Craig here to pull this shit up so we could look at it. Um, damn it, Craig, you suck. I know. He just ruins everything. I mean, how we are talk whatever shit him? we want about him because he's not going to listen to the podcast. He's probably got his shoes off like hiking barefoot on some path Fucking right now. Boring. Nobody should be allowed to take off for football season next year. I'm going to I'm going to put my foot down here. 100%. Um yeah, but that I you know, I've, it's good you bring that up because I think that was to, to me that was the one other thing that's like legitimate. There there have been some decisions from Brian Johnson in the red zone where I'm legitimately scratching my head saying, "What the what the hell was that?" You know, the Kenny Gainwell play you're talking about. I mean, they they get to 3rd and 11 from the Washington 15. At that point they were only up 21-17. So beginning of the fourth quarter, I think the field had just flipped, right? So it was 15 minutes left in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter. And that was the first play they ran out of the fourth quarter. And they just run the outside zone. You know, it, was no, it wasn't an RPO. There's no read element. There's no passing element because I watched it play back and the receivers weren't, weren't um, 
you know, running routes. But Sirianni said, I want to read part of the quote from here. And you tell me if this makes any sense, right? Because they had a similar one last week, right, just to set this up. I think they had like a third and eight or a third and six, where I think they handed the ball to DeAndre Swift, and people were kind of wondering, like, what's going on there? This was third and 11 with Kenny Gainwell. Sirianni said, quote, it's always a call that we think about. Like I said last week, the run worked. This week it didn't. The field shrinks sometimes in there. It's a little bit tougher to go in there with the field shrinking. And you don't have your whole playbook at your disposal. He's talking about the red zone here. Uh, we trust our offensive line. We trust Kenny. That doesn't mean there wasn't an option to pass the ball there if the defense showed that we could. Now, he's not talking RPO there. He's talking about what the, the defense was giving him in, in that before the play was called, right? Everything we do, there's an aggression in everything we do. Aggressiveness doesn't look the same at all times, right? Aggressiveness can look many different ways. In that particular case, we thought we were being aggressive there with that play that we had. It didn't work. Credit to the defense for stopping that play. I know Brian Johnson doesn't regret that call because we talked about it a lot. We talked a lot about it. I don't regret that call, but it didn't work this time. I regret um, it. Yeah, I just don't – I don't understand. It's like you know, when you talk about being aggressive with the run on third down, I mean, I remember – let me give you another Big 12 thing because this is just what I'm familiar with. You know, I think there were a lot of times where you thought you were on obvious passing downs like a third and five or third and six or something like that. So you get a light box. You know, Dana Holgerson would just, fuck, we're going to run the ball with like Wendell Smallwood, you know, and like he would get five because they weren't expecting you to, to run in that situation. But third and 11 is a lot different. Man. I mean, you would have had to get, what, nine um, eight or nine at least to set up fourth and three or fourth and two and then maybe that's too far to tush push it anyway um, you know so I don't I don't know what the explanation was there other than like hurts some secret injury or something we didn't know about because why would you not throw there at least try to try to get yourself in a position to move it on move it on fourth if you thought you're in four down territory you know because that down distance was just too far and, yeah. what do you think is going on with uh, his inabilities to uh, to get um, Dallas Goddard into the game. This is uh this is what Dallas Goddard's got uh through four games. Nineteen targets, thirteen catches, eighty-eight yards, zero touchdowns. He's getting paid like a top four tight end in the NFL and he's just not getting involved. Do you think teams are more looking at him to kind of shut him down? And that's why Devontae Smith and and Zacchaeus and AJ Brown are getting more targets? Or do you think it's kind of just like they just just can't figure him out right now? Yeah, I would like to look more at the all 22 stuff, see what those those film guys see there, because uh, generally you'd think, you know, you're underneath is, is going to be there. It's kind of like a release valve, not like dumping it off to the running back or whatever. But um, I think sometimes what happens, too, is like Jalen's proclivity is to like just get out of the pocket and run with it. Right. I mean, like he's flushed and it's like, you know, where I feel like, like uh, he's doing that more this year. I feel like he's not standing in the pocket a lot this year. There was one yesterday where he definitely got spooked by a guy coming off the corner who looked like he was going to hit him. But yeah. he ended up getting uh, I think Lane Johnson ended up uh, stopping him. And, and but he, he bailed too early. And I would and like it was to actually see him. Goddard who was open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I mean, I'm. I would like to see him be able to get out of the pocket by stepping up and through it. You know, I mean, that's where the the huge running play broken, uh, you know, scramble in the running play came from um, in the fourth quarter yesterday. But I mean, you know, it seemed like they ran, you know, Doug ran a lot of that. Doug Peterson ran a ton of that like mesh concept, you know, with the, with the crossing routes, like the intermediate shallow crossing routes or whatever. And then, so what Carson went through to Zach Ertz like a thousand times that one year, like how many targets did he have? Like a hundred something targets. Um. You know, and it just seems like Jalen's looking for, you know, it seems like the route trees that they have and the concepts that they call are a lot of like deep, like like beyond intermediate stuff for for Devontae Smith and AJ Brown. They hit on it. I mean, shit, look at the how how big was the was that go route, just that 50-50 ball to AJ Brown last year. You know, I mean he threw a ton of that. And um 
you know, Dallas Goddard should be there if the, if the, on like a second read or a third read, you would think most of the time, I don't know, maybe he's just not getting to the third reader. He's flush from the pocket before he can, uh, by the time he gets done looking at AJ Brown and Devontae Smith and, yeah, but it feels like, you know, especially if there's, if there's you're going to get more of what, what like the Vikings are showing you where they have like that rush three and like drop eight into zone. You would think you've got your zone beaters in there, like either a dump off to the running back or like Goddard trying to get open. So I don't know. Does that answer the question at all? I hope it does. Yeah. I want to switch over to the defensive coordinator for a second because it looks like we're doing how um was that last drive where they tied it up in the fourth quarter? Just not Jonathan, Jonathan Gannon-esque right there. Yeah. Soft zone. Yeah, it really was. I mean, but even even like early in the game too. I mean, like Slay Slay was. Um, I, I don't know. It looked like he wasn't totally on the <laughs> same page. I know. I was waiting for the waiting for the soft zone shit to start happening too. Um, well, and like Josh Job too on that final play. I, I don't. I don't know if he just played it wrong. Like he thought he had, like he had help to the inside. That was a really nice throw by Sam Howe. And who who caught it? Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson went inside. Yeah. It was like three guys around him, and Sam Hale threw that perfectly to the outside. There was nobody that could have got that other than Jahan Dotson. I don't know if that was a coverage thing. Um, yeah. Maybe some guys were out of uh, out of uh, whatever. Um, well, I but, think Job Job must have played it wrong, right? Because I mean, the help was on the inside, right? But he was playing yeah. inside leverage, right? And there was, no, did, yeah. there was no other guy on the outside. So I don't, you know, that's why these things are always such a pain in the butt, man. Because like you never, like you always. <laughs> never know what the fuck the defensive coordinator is actually calling or what the technique is supposed to be. I mean, you can only analyze like what you see on film. Like, do you, do you remember when, uh, you remember when the Eagles played like at the Steelers? I want to say it was like three years ago or something. And, like Nate Gary ended up on like chase. Claypool <laughs> for, for a <laughs> so place. Like why was he, how did you get a linebacker on there? And then the yeah. real answer ended up being some super complicated thing of like, split zone coverage and like you know being in a certain package or whatever and, I, and you know so you only get like surface level explanation for that i can go back through the quote sheet though i don't know if anybody asked sirianni about that one specifically i think this will probably be the best I, it's funny because the coordinators don't often say anything that's super interesting i think this will be the first good like coordinator you know week weekly press you, conference that we get you know what are you looking for mostly you want to hear well, Brian Johnson, like, what the fuck was third and third and eleven? Seventy-five percent of the game. Yeah, and I also some like time management stuff too. I mean, God, it's there was so much going on in that game. I'm like trying to remember it all off the top of my head. Um, you know, they they took that shot to AJ Brown, which caught Washington off guard and was a great play call. You know, but then mm-hmm. with the, they left time on the clock too. You know, and. I mean, you know, you can always go back and ask yourself, like, if what's what's right and what's what's wrong or whatever, you know. But they could have probably tried to chew up a little bit more clock there, and and maybe one in in regulation. I, yeah, I remember that was on an early down, right? I think they just had picked up a first down, and they're like, "All right, fuck it, let's go." Let's just yeah, I think so. I think so. But yeah, reds red zone stuff for for Brian Johnson. Um, you know, again, like maybe get into like Jalen in the in the running game. I guess. Uh, did did the taunting penalty bother you? I mean, (laughs) imagine so like the Swifties are like a big thing right now. Like I'm thinking about like in terms of them, imagine like a Swifties like watching the Eagles with their dad and like, and you explain that penalty to someone who's never watched football or on their second game of football ever. And it's like, uh, well, I guess he, he, he dropped the ball into the guy's lap with malicious intent and said something mean to him. 15 yards. 
and now the the commanders get it at the 26. Or I think I was more I was more bothered by the Swiss cheese defense on the ensuing possession. Yeah. Than the AJ Brown thing. It was but third yeah, and, it was third and 17. Yeah. Yes. Should AJ Brown get a taunting penalty? No. Is taunting stupid? Yes. I don't know what the NFL is trying to prevent. Are they trying to prevent fights or something like that? Because I don't think that's going to happen as much as they think it is. Are they are they trying to, you know, make children watch the game of football and not go out there and peewee and taunt their their, you know, are they are they thinking about the youth of the future youth of America? Like I don't understand what taunting really does. And then I'm looking back and people are like, oh man, we almost lost that because of because of AJ Brown's taunting penalty when they forget to imagine that it was third and 17 at one point and they let them convert on that. And the special, yeah, and the special teams too allowed a, a um. I just looked it up here, a twenty nine yard return on that kick too. Yeah, so so seven. They they, so Elliot Elliot kicks off right. Uh, the log says uh, Philadelphia twenty. They say he kicked it seventy three yards <laughs> from the from the Philly twenty to the Washington seven. Antonio Gibson the Washington thirty six for twenty nine yards, right? So they started that drive on the Washington started that drive on the thirty six. So, so again, yeah, special teams, again, it's like a, you know, a more than one thing can be true. I, I don't, yeah. I, I was more annoyed by a lot of the, um, that defensive, uh, holding call on, uh, Nicholas Morrow on the first drive, the Terrell Edmonds thing drove me oh, crazy. The ter- oh. crazy. Um, that one I wrote a story about I, what uh, is it, it supposed just, to do there? It's a, yeah. Bang, you want to talk about that I, I don't know because it's like quarterbacks run in, see the sticks. Um, and when he actually, like, when you slowed that down, looked at it again, like the contact, like, happened right when he stepped on the line. And if you're going to have a son, I mean, that's a definition of a bang bang play. You know, they did ask him, like, what they said, like, what did you, what did you think he could have done better? That hang on, let me pull the quote up. It's really short. Um, it's only like two sentences because he's like, well, I don't know what I can do. Uh, Edmonds was asked post game what he could have done differently there. Honestly, I don't know. I think the only thing I could have done was let him get a first down. Mm-hmm. They're just running fast and trying to play fast, and they call it. So you, know, you can't argue with the refs now. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that looked worse too because just Edmonds was going so fast, and the way that Howell kind of they'd all just rolled into a bunch of bodies on the sidelines, and they ended up behind the bench, and it probably just it looked like it was yeah carnage when it probably really wasn't, you know. But well, did you watch the late games when the the Oakland Raiders guy tackled? Uh, Justin Herbert into the sideline and got ejected. Um, oh no, no! I, I, the most egregious thing was the Jets Chiefs game last night, but I don't, I don't think I remember that. Was, that was bananas. I mean, that yeah, was bananas. Yeah. There's a whole Taylor Swift controversy there that I don't think the NFL wants them to lose, so that the Kansas City Chiefs then turn on Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift doesn't show up to games anymore. The NFL is absolutely printing money right now. I know people hate it. I know I people hate the constant cutaways to Taylor Swift, but guess what? There's a reason why Travis Kelsey's jersey is more beloved right now than Tom Brady's and anybody else's jersey in the uh, in the NFL. But anyway. Go Going back to uh, what were we just talking about, Tyler Evans? Yeah, the bigger the bigger picture thing there with that is like, look, I, I, that that's another thing that stems from the quarterback protection thing, right? Um, I know they can call the same thing if it's a running back going for the line or who a receiver or whatever, but whenever you have a bang bang play like that, and it's super tight and it's super close, I mean, they're the, the they're always gonna defer to the quarterback, right? Oh, 100%. Um, I mean, I, I think actually the funny thing is about um, Hassan Reddick's first sack, yeah. I would have been shocked if they flagged him for unnecessary roughness for going too low. 
Well, the one touchdown pass. Yeah, I mean, the one touchdown pass that Hurts had, um, there was a penalty on Washington, too, a roughing the passer where I'm trying to see if I can illustrate it here. He he just put a hand up. I think it was Chase or Montez Sweat or something. He just put a hand up, and he, like, brushed the helmet. And Mm -hmm. Hurts' head just well, it kind of went back like that, but it wasn't, you know, again, the guy's just like flailing an arm, an arm out. There's nothing malicious there. I, I just wish they would give something to the, to the defense, you know, because again, he's got, he's got no T- Terrell Edmonds doesn't have any recourse there. He's his, what are his options, right? Hit the quarterback and risk, you know, getting a flag or just <laughs> risk him holding his, holding his arm out and, you know, I don't know what the I don't know what the solution is there to those kinds of plays. I don't know if if the if the quarterback or the ball carrier can signal somehow that they're giving themselves up. You know, they're not going to slide. <laughs> they're not going to slide out of bounds. Just wave like, their know. arms like. <laughs> Are you running the ball? And you go. Oh, I'm just. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Man down. Man down. I'm, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, because because like right when you're when you're in the open field, what does somebody do? They just slide. Right, so but you're not going to yeah. do like. Have you seen anybody slide going for the, going yeah. for the sideline before? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just I don't. I don't, I don't like if, if there maybe, was a legitimate. Maybe, maybe this. Maybe we. Do you ever play Mario Kart 64 back in the day, and you play the uh, balloon oh, yeah. game where you had to race into the guy's balloon in the back and everything? If Terrell oh, yeah. Edmund, if we attach a balloon to Sam Howe, if Terrell Edmund grabs that balloon as he's going out of bounds and he <laughs> snags a balloon before the first down. There we go. But maybe there what you do is you strap a like all the jokes about flag football. Maybe you strap a flag to him, and in that case, <sighs> if he dives for the flag instead, mm-hmm. then he's then he's down, right? Is that are we gonna instead of just going directly from football to flag football? Maybe there's like a, a like cool, an yeah. in, in between there. In between there. We, I like that. Yeah. Um, we'll have Blake coming on. Blake Wexler, a comedian from uh, from Philadelphia, just released a new special. We have him coming on in a couple of minutes. Um, I do want to ask though, uh, next Sunday, going out west over to the uh, to the Rams. Rams are playing some pretty good football right now. Matt Stafford, P- uh, Palo Nakua. Hope everyone's got him on his fa- on your fantasy team, like I do. Pick them up. Right well, they over tried, there. To, they right tried to give it back to under everybody's nose. Um, how do you feel going into next week's game? I mean, it's going to be an Eagles home game. Uh, I'm already pre- I'm already sure. Like that's one of the most uh, uh, look looking forward to trips on the uh, all the Philadelphia Eagles uh, sites that do it. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even think about that. Right. Um, yeah, there'll be a lot of green in the stadium. Yeah. No, I, I feel pretty good about it because I think I think that they're. Um, I, like, I, it can't be any. You know, I think they got it out of their system this week, or at least I hope that they did. You know. Um, I mean, you remember what happened when they played Washington at home last year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they they came back pretty strong in the next game. Um, yeah, I can't remember who that who that was, but uh, and, it's, and it's funny too how much this Washington game reminded me of last year's Washington game, mm-hmm. like, the, like the Dallas Goddard, like the face mask no call, and like all these like bullshit things. I think there was a play last year where Quez Watkins ca- caught the ball and then he was like stripped from behind. Was stripped, like, yeah. Christ, there's no, they're just, they're just not going to win this, you know. Um, but no, no, I think I think that they hopefully got that out of their system. It'll hopefully be a different refing crew, and we won't have all that. that yeah, I think they start five now. Yeah, I think, I think they, so too. Yeah, I think they start six now. I mean, and then go up against the Dolphins uh, after the Jets. Yeah. To, real quick here, just run through the, the list of, from the takeaways. I don't I don't know if there's anything. I, that Devontae Smith catch was amazing. I mean, holy cow, you know. Um, Reed Blankenship's forearm saving, possibly saving the <laughs> the undefeated yeah. 
But I don't know. Did you think that was in or not from the overhead? Uh, I, I think it gets in if it's not. It, it, what's the rule? If he's in on the guy's forearm, he's still in? No, no. I mean, it, it, it yeah, right. It's, it's, it's like if you land on top of a guy, you're still yeah. – um, I think his heel – I think his heel would have gotten in, and I think that would have been a, a good uh, well, good completion if, yeah, if it wasn't for yeah. Vanilla Nice's forum. Even then, I just think that they like I don't know if they had enough video evidence to overturn the call on the field, which was incomplete. So I I think if they had called it complete at the time, it would have been it would have would have been exclusive complete just because I don't think that they had enough to, you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anything else? No, nah, man. No, I I uh, we'll get into all the. We'll do the Phillies. So we'll recap the Phillies first yeah, Phillies game on Wednesday. I think I think we just had to do a, a birds, um, you know, day after, and that was the appropriate uh, editorial decision. I think on, on yeah. Well, let's bring on Blake Wexler. Uh, he's comedy special here. Uh, Daddy Longlegs is now on YouTube. Over forty thousand views. I think in like four days. Look at you, big dog. <laughs> Who is watching it? Who is watching it? No, I'm psyched about it. Thanks for having me, you guys. Kevin, nice to meet you. Kyle, nice to. Uh, I don't know if this is officially meeting you, but it's nice to see you. And yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Oh, definitely, definitely. Go check out Blake's comedy special, Daddy Longlegs, on YouTube now. Well, no, yes. After this interview, wait a, a few minutes. <laughs> wait, wait a few about, minutes. Wait about twenty minutes for us. So, wait, real quick. What's up? What's uh? What does that say on your poster? That's a syphilis behind you. Oh, syphilis. Yeah, I have all my diseases listed um <laughs> on <laughs> on posters. If I and I had them framed also. Uh, no, so that is a brewery slash comedy room in Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, and yeah, it's also I think the state of my career uh, until this special started doing well, hopefully is just pushing a massive boulder up a mountain yeah, only for it yeah, to fall he was down. The guy from Greek mythology. He used to push yeah. this shit up the hill and then it would just fall back on him every time, you know, he did. What did he do to deserve that? He must've done something. started in stand-up comedy, man. I can't imagine doing that. I think that's what eating, it was. Eating shit. I mean, you said you've been doing it for 15 since you were 15. Yeah. I think you're what, like mid thirties now. So you've been doing it for like 20 years that you are Sisyphus just pushing a boulder up and getting run over sometimes. It's crazy over and over again. I'm glad I'm not the guy who gets his liver eaten out by a, a bird. You know, that guy from Greek mythology, yeah, that, that bird was, would that get was, so uh, drunk. <laughs> from my liver. Pro Prometheus. Yeah. We got all of our Greek, uh, yeah. Uh, tragedies kind of organized. I'm promoting my new book. Uh, it's a sequel, uh, from the Odyssey or whatever the hell that was but anyway i think everyone has turned it off and that's my fault and i apologize <laughs> no 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 more we need we have uh we we have a, a lot of listeners that need to learn a thing or two that's right? true need that's to true. learn need to sometimes step away from eagles sixers phillies and learn about greek mythology like sisyphus and oedipus rex and all that shit so exactly. you guys are welcome i so, couldn't yeah go ahead <laughs> let's talk about the let's talk about the special a little bit now where did you film it filmed it in cincinnati ohio and I that's I had never been to Ohio before. Yeah, no, that's true. I had never been there before. But my buddy who directed it, his name's Cy Amundsen. He's a great stand-up. He hosted Sports Center on Snapchat for a while when they were doing that. I'm not sure if they're still doing that, but uh great dude. He's now based in Cincinnati. He wanted to direct it. The club there was great. So we did it. So yeah, in Cincinnati, Ohio. Now, has Cincinnati become one of your favorite places to do stand-up? And what are your favorite places to do stand-up in? What are good stand-up cities? 
Yeah, it has been. I mean, I'm now, I, it is because the special went so well, where if it didn't go well, <laughs> I would never go anywhere near that yeah, place. Fuck Skyline Show. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. My Dude, I ate that for the first time right before the first filming, and maybe that was like the magic of it, because we used most of that show, but was a gamble that... Yeah, can we mic up the bathroom? <laughs> can we get a couple of six cameras into the stall? But uh, no, everything went great. Yeah, Cincinnati's great. That's a great... Um, there's a lot of uh, really funny stand-ups who've come out of there. Boston is a great comedy town. Philly, I'm obviously partial to because I started here. And Seattle, Port- Portland's a really good one, really? too, where a bunch of guys... Yeah, like Ian Carmel, who was the head writer on James Corden's show and like his sidekick, David Gabori, a ton of really funny people have, have come out of there. Shane Torres, who's great. So yeah, yeah, Portland's another, I think what you need for a great scene is like a flagship club. So for instance, here we have helium Mm -hmm. or like the punchline in Northern liberties where big acts come that the local comics can watch and be like, Oh, I can, do, or I want to do that. I can strive mm-hmm. for that. And then also a cool alternative scene that are run by comics, you know, in the back room of a bar or above a restaurant or something. And yeah, all those places that I mentioned, I'm trying to think if I forgot any, but I'm sure. I'd, oh, Minneapolis has an, it has an incredible really? stand-up scene as well, actually. Yeah. And so how's the Philly scene right now? Cause obviously I know you have Shane Gillis, who's like huge right now. You have, you know, McCusker, mm-hmm. but then, you know, uh, we, we love rainy Mike rainy. Uh, yeah. On yeah. For, uh, who was on this uh, a couple of weeks ago for his uh, comment at the uh, Danilo Cavacante uh-huh. uh, press briefing and stuff. That was awesome. <laughs> and then you just had, you know, guys like Kevin Hart, you know, that were that just obviously exploded. What's the comedy scene now, right now with Philadelphia? Yeah, I've seen it in waves. Mike Rainey is one of my favorite people in the entire world. I knew he was a guy that I met when I was like 15, Mm. 16 years old. One of the sweetest, funniest people in the entire world. Uh, It's come in waves where you're right. There was Kevin Hart was before my time. And then there's guys like Joe DeRosa, who's great. And uh, Big J Okerson's another Mm. great stand up. And then I think there was kind of a lull in terms of not lol uh lul <laughs> there was a lull and there was now i think because of shane who has is great to younger comics and has helped bring really funny people like matt mccusker and tommy pope chris o'connor sean Gardy. like there's a lot of guys who shane will bring on the road with him and He's awesome. So, yeah, I think right now Philly Comedy is in a great place where you have the two great clubs. There's this room called Next in Line Comedy that's kind of in between a comedy club and like an alt room that like showcases a lot of great local guys. And then, yeah, you can see a bunch of other great spaces with just local comics. And there's a lot of reps, I think, now Mm -hmm. for local comics to get. So, yeah, the scene's been great. I did an open mic once. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the mo- it's the most scared I've ever been in my life. Um, Interesting. So I have I think what you guys do is some of the hardest things in the world, and it's going to sound so silly because there's obviously people who are like on roofs and like ninety degree heat paving and stuff, and obviously I'm. Um, besides that, I think uh, getting up there and trying to craft a one minute, two minute, um, couple of jokes is is insane. I mean, when you say a joke that you wrote down, and it gets no laughs back. It's the worst feeling I've ever felt in my entire life. 
<laughs> it's horrifying. I mean, I could say not to like kiss your asses, but like I could say the same thing where like, Kevin, I've been reading you since you first started writing for Crossing Broad just for years and for well, years and years. I've been every single day I've been reading you. And then, Kyle, I knew of you from your man on the street stuff before you started working with Crossing Broad. And, you know, for me to sit down and organize my thoughts into a, a remotely cohesive you know, article or repeat, like, you know, what you guys story, like you guys write. And then man on the street stuff is something that I've always, I love pranks. I love man on the street, but for some reason, I just man on the street stuff to go up to someone. And I think the fact that they're inches away from you is what, you know, is the scariest part where for me, at least, I mean, you're like a big guy, but like for me, at least I'm like, oh, this person can just knock me the hell out immediately if you ask the wrong question. And at least on stage, you will have a few seconds before they get to you. <laughs> yeah, that, the bouncers never do anything. It's it's, it's cra- <laughs> the fact that like a, a stand up comedian is not murdered every single night is like a goddamn miracle. Just, yeah, it's crazy. There are a lot of great rushed, bouncers, but no no i haven't i've seen there's an amazing uh there's a great stand-up named pat house who's from philly lives in philly and he got rushed once and his stepdad had to like intercept the man rushing the stage it was the, one of the most crazy scenes i've ever seen yeah i've seen fights break out in the audience but not spill on stage uh i was at punchline last night apparently over the weekend some two people got in an argument and one guy flipped the table and then they had to pause <laughs> the show for like 20 minutes until however the hell you handle that situation, yeah. you know, goes on. But yeah, I wish more clubs would have metal detectors. I wish more would have, but it's tough. Cause you don't want, you know, you want people laughing. And then if you have the specter of like a big bouncer dude hanging over you, the whole show, I can see that being a little disconcerting for people mm. cracking up the whole time. But yeah, no, that's a great question. I've never been rushed, you know, knock on knock on wood. And uh, I hope no one's the first to do it. I'm quick. We we, uh, we got a question from a listener here. I hope I great. hope this is a no effects uh, logo that Ted has, by the way. Is that no effects? Yeah, it is. Excellent. Um, he says, Blake, are you friends with uh, Tom Cassidy, the Philly comic? I love Tom. Tom's great. And this that question was worth uh, every cent that you paid. <laughs> I love that. It. It's great. Um, you could have just messaged me personally. No, I'm kidding. No, no, no. Uh, no, 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 no. You need to pay for it. You need to pay for it. And I'm not going to say another word until more people pay for things. Yes. For sure. Um, I was just I was just joking around. Uh, great question. Tom's a really, really funny local comic. Also a dude who has... He, he, I think he moved to New York a while ago, but his Philly accent has not dissipated at all you know where it is whenever i see clips of him online he's really really funny it's just like oh yeah i this it's abundantly clear where this guy is from as media immediately as he starts talking but yeah tom cassidy another great comic great guy too i think it's um funny you mentioned well first of all thank you for reading the site i appreciate that of course Um, it's funny like this might sound like the dumbest shit i've ever said in my entire life but i understand where you're coming from both of you guys when you talk about the uh the um I don't want to use the word performative. I'm not performing on the website, but like uh, there's a there's an art art side to it, right? I'm yeah, not, you're I'm entertaining. Not, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, we're not journalists, right? I mean, we're not running a journalism. This is not the Athletic, right? This is this is Crossing Broad, you know. So like you're 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 casual, right? And you, and you do some entertaining and stuff like that. So I I try lines like written lines on the site where I'm sitting there as I'm like typing it out. I'm like, Oh, is this going to be good? Or is this going to be stupid? You know? Like, so I, so I have the same conversations too. It's like, you're, you're, you're thinking like, 
in a in a different kind of way you're like testing it out you're like saying hey are people gonna like this mm-hmm. is this gonna resonate resonate with people are people gonna think it's stupid or something like that i think i do some of my best word when i'm like work when i'm like tired and loopy and i don't know what the fuck else to say or what else to write and i'm like yeah oh maybe this is why the artist would always like get high on like or like absinthe or something like that and then they'd all, all, all the creativity would start flowing out of them you know does that sound pre- pretentious i mean i'm just a sports blogger i'm not a no, not at all. I mean, I know when I've written, uh, you know, like scripts and stuff, you generally, you just don't, I prefer stand up because you have an immediate reaction as to positively yeah. or negatively. And then the next time you go up, you try to fix it or you double down on it. And no, you're, you're totally right. And with the, the exhaustion thing, I think with some with stand up is a very fa- fine line of it's almost like you're intoxicated a little bit where you're not drunk, but you're loopy, like your mind's a little bit off in the yes. same way you could be yes. if you're high or drunk or whatever. But it's more controlled, I think, if you're tired and you're not, you know, half an IPA away from making no sense <laughs> whatsoever. Like, what is he writing about? No, but I'm glad that you could like elaborate on that a little bit because I don't know how to explain it. It's just this thing you feel in your head where you're like, I don't know, you like slide off into this like zone. Yeah. And, and you're just, you're there, you know, and like the words start coming in your, in, in your case, you know, like verbally. Right. But for mm-hmm. me, like right, writing them out. And <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, it's, it's hard to explain, but it's like, it, it reminds me of my only live performances I ever did were playing in bands, you know, cool. and like I would play, I would play in cover bands and we would work, we would work on some song over and over and over again. And we would play it and we thought it sounded great. Right. And mm-hmm. then we um, bullshit our way through some like Paramore cover where the drummer is completely off. I think I'm in the wrong tuning or something. I was terrible. And then people are coming up to us after the show and they're like, yeah, that Paramore song was great, man. But, you know, like Sublime was a little off. And I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know, yeah. you get that thing where it's like you're, you're wondering why something lands or something works and then something else doesn't. Yes. Con- I mean, yeah, constantly where for me, I can do the same joke the same way three times throughout a weekend and it will get three different reactions. And you need to figure out from doing it this long, you are able to diagnose generally why, where if it's, oh, did I put this uh, next to a similar topic in my act that may have the people may have already been sick of the topic that I, that I then did it with, or did I do it too early? Did the previous comic do something similar or was it a late show and the crowd was just lit up drunk and I was rambling for too long and they didn't have the attention span to listen to it or like vice. Did I curse too much? And I did it on the early show in front of a bunch of like 65 year old, you know, grandparents. So you generally do figure out, but you're right. And then every once in a while, I'm like, I've no, I've no idea. I have no idea why this worked. I have no idea why it didn't. And then you just keep doing it and hopefully you can you can yeah, figure it out. 100 percent I mean, there's blogs that go viral, there's clips on that I do on the Street mm-hmm. that go viral. I'm like, there's no reason why this was that funny, but people just <laughs> latched onto it and shared it, and that's what happens. And it's always the ones that I don't think are gonna do that good that do the oh. best sometimes, which I'm like, that's great because I don't obviously don't have my pulse on the uh, on the city of Philadelphia. So that's wonderful. <laughs> um, <laughs> there is no rhyme or reason, right? You remember, Kyle, I was on vacation now. I was watching the NFL draft and I logged in real quick because yeah. there was this viral video clip of a reporter having a Freudian slip and she said Jalen Carter has a big dick. And I'm like, Oh, I gotta yes. throw that on the site real quick. So I just <laughs> I literally wrote like a sentence dropped the tweet in and wrote like two sentences coming off the back of it 
in uh, 17 years of doing media, that was the most read story that I've ever written in my time. Like more than Unreal. a million, more than a million people clicked on that. But I, I don't know. It's like you just try to try to wing yeah. it and see what see what works. You know? Yeah. What, what was the process like? For the uh, to go into the special, did you write every day? Were you, you know, how many times were you doing like open mics and stuff to kind of rework it, rework it, or was there anything like that, like you know, you can share that maybe like people don't understand what kind of goes into like these things from behind the scenes? Yeah, of course, it was the most work I've ever put into something in my life, where most of the material was written. It was 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 written, but it needed to be fine-tuned. So I went on the road more than I have in my life where I ran the hour in like Asheville, Minneapolis, Pittsburgh. Uh, this is like not the road, but Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Raleigh, North Carolina, just all these places over and over and over again. Charleston, South Carolina. And you have to pay attention to your, where it sucks watching yours. For me, at least, I hate watching myself. So hate. It's the worst. And if do you edit your own stuff, like do you like video edit your own stuff? To, it's a nightmare. More more recently, I don't. But I, I for the first like two years, I did. I fucking can't stand it. It's horrible. It's every single thing where you'll watch yourself and you look like if that's not you, you're an abusive friend watching that person. You're like you piece of shit, piece of There's trash. There's a joke that was right yeah. there for you to hammer home and uh, you missed it. You. Yeah. Suck, suck. Who who clears their throat like that? You animal! What kind of animal does something like that? And but you keep. I, I kept doing it, and then my buddy Sai, uh, who directed it, helped me with some of the shitty things that I do, where I I curse uh, or not not. I mean that I do that anyway. But I ums and ahs are a big thing for me. Saying like is a big thing, and then sometimes after I say something, I'll say, oh, you know what I mean, just as a filler and we got rid of every single one of those before we filmed it where i kept trying to be like don't say ah don't say um don't say uh, like and then the way i did that was just actually being prepared and practicing in my hotel room before i would go on or whatever so yeah it was a lot of repetition and also being excited as if you're telling it for the first time because that's an issue also where like we were talking about earlier why something will work and then it won't where i'll do a joke that is not nearly as good as another joke but it's new and i'm excited to tell it because it's new and then that'll do better than something that's objectively written better because i wasn't as excited about it but that was a lot of the process and editing it you know like the production company 800 pound gorilla uh were like they edited everything did the marketing for it which was great they've just done specials with like they did Mark Norman's YouTube yeah. special and uh, Matt Reif. They, I think they did one of his too, Chad Daniels, a lot of really funny people. And they were great to work with too. So they helped fill in the shooting of it, the style of it, that sort of stuff. So why have comedians kind of gone over to YouTube? You know, obviously back in the day, mm -hmm. I guess it was Comedy Central, it was HBO. Like once you got there, you're like, oh, I made it. I'm good. I'm good. Now people just have the creativity and everything. You'd be good enough to not have an HBO special or a Netflix special or anything. What's kind of been the shift and why have you seen the shift from, you know, more corporate entities to more just free flowing platforms like like YouTube? Yeah, it's it's a good question. I think that HBO is still one where they tend to do the art, like an artsy one, where one that's not classic strict stand up, where like Drod Carmichael did a really cool looking one. Um, Rami Yusuf had one too. So it's, oh, we're going to break a young person. You know, it's kind of like a breakout star that they really like. So their tone is very specific. Netflix now 
they i think what happened is a lot of people used to shoot their own special and then sell it to netflix like they would edit it themselves pitch it netflix would buy it but now netflix does pretty much everything themselves so they're not buying other people they will pay you to make one but they generally don't acquire it and buy it anymore so i think what happens is everybody who is already shooting their own things and you can shoot it so inexpensively now you know like you could shoot a special for under $5,000 and which is uh, like obviously a lot of money, but compared to, I mean, like the 40,000 that it would take before everyone could get a camera, you know, and rent them out so easily. So I think that's it. And also with YouTube, you just want to reach people. And for me, I want as many people to see it as possible because as hard as stand-up is, it's even more difficult to get good video from it where you set up a camera, some drunk idiot trips into it, knocks it down. People are talking near it. Uh, The video looks great, but you're not that good that night. You're great, but the crowd sucks. You know, the the thing's out of focus. The lighting changes. It's there's so many different things that can go wrong. So I think now that it's more affordable to shoot, and you do have more control over it if you put it on YouTube. So I think that's the biggest thing is just it allows the biggest. All you have to do is everyone has YouTube on their phone. And it's if you're watching this, if you're watching a live podcast or you're just watching a quick clip, people are kind of already here. So, yeah, that's I think that's that was the appeal to me, at least. I think one of the things that's most interesting to me about comedy uh, over the last couple of years is uh something similar to us in, in the way that like we're a, you know, a fun blog, but we straddle the line between, you know, what's, you know, appropriate and what's not appropriate. Comedy has been doing that for forever. But I mean, recently you see these arguments between comics about like, Hey, you can, you should do this. You shouldn't do this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Like cancel culture coming into play and whatever. And I'm wondering how much, um, you know, if, if at all that affects kind of your, your approach or what do you, what do you think of that in general now? It's interesting. I think that cancel culture, I've seen so many people get canceled to have a much, much better career than they would have had if they weren't canceled, you know, where it's like this poor guy got canceled and now he's a multimillionaire, you know? So I think they're almost, my opinion is that there's kind of no such thing because like your question as with YouTube or the internet, the inter- the internet, uh, everyone can see whatever the hell they want to see. So if yeah. you don't like this, just watch the 800 million other things that aren't this. Yeah. You, you know? don't really and, get canceled yeah. anymore. You just get replatformed. Right? Yes, yes. That's so, <laughs> that that's so funny. Replatform yeah, culture. I got shit canned by Eyewitness News, and now I, I run a blog where I can just wake up and write whatever the fuck we I want. Right? Like, this is a lot better. Alex Jones and Kevin aren't too far from each other. <laughs> yeah. you know? That's what that's why I like your writing style. Uh, <laughs> um, no, no, it's 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 really funny. Yeah, I, I think that for me, it's not really a problem because I don't really. I'm not like I curse constantly, but a lot of my material, I'm uh, for me. What works for me is I focus where the joke is. So, like, who am I making fun of yeah, here, yeah. or or yeah. where? Like, am I making fun of myself? Did someone and taking myself out of it? If a comedian says a word that you don't like, it's like, what is their intent? And I think there's certain words that are hard to justify, no matter what your intent is, because if you use the word, it's like, well, you're meaning to hurt. 
and even some of the worst stuff can still be funny. So it depends on the, I think context is the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we think of that all the time. I mean, there were, there's words, you know, Kyle puts stuff, (laughs) Kyle straddles the line more than anybody. I'm the editor. Right. So I'm like reading the story. I'm like, Hmm, are we going to say twinks on the website today? Well, you know, <laughs> let me think about what that what that would would mean. Would mean are we going to offend anybody? But but again, like framing. But but you're you're right, man. Because framing is important, right? We're right. an irreverent sports blog. We like to have fun. We like to joke. We don't take ourselves too seriously. It's just sport. Mm-hmm. Right? That is not the. This is the Eagles game. This is not the um the January sixth hearing. You know what I mean? So as long as right. people, people need to be able to understand the backdrop. Mm-hmm. Uh, under under what they're reading something or consuming something to know that like you know if we uh if i use the word wigger in a story once i'm like i'm just like kind of referring to like the dude from the offspring video with like the backwards hat i'm not trying yeah, to say yeah. you know it's like it come, you have to understand the genesis of where these things come from i think comedy has always had as that com- comics have always tried to remind people of that I think so. And I think where we get in trouble is a lot of comics will do it poorly, of course, where it'll be like, oh, I've I like, how dare you cancel? He's like, yeah, but you also said you were hired for a job where you weren't supposed to say a certain thing. And then you idiot, you said it. So you're not going to get like, I know a guy who got hired for like a corporate gig is what I'm talking about. And like a corporate gig is when you go perform for a business or whatever. It's a private show. And you're supposed to work clean and you get paid a ton of money to do it. And it's going to be the worst show you do all year. It's a nightmare. It's such a bad show, but you keep looking at your watch like, all right, I'm going to get X amount of money after this. I don't have to take this personally. This is the nightmare. People are at a buffet as I'm doing my art right now. And they're, you know, no one's paying attention, but I, this is what I got. This is what I signed up for. And then I've seen people go up and just be like, like, oh, this fucking piece of shit. It's like, yo, you can't do this. Like, well, they didn't pay me. It's like you didn't do the job that you were hired to do. So I see both sides of it. But then in a comedy club, you when you go into a comedy club, I think you're signing up for a certain level of uh blueness or like or or just almost anything. You just don't know what you're gonna get. And actually, you can tell, you can see who's gonna be on the show. Look at their type of comedy. Yeah, you yeah. show up, you see that, and you're like, "Well, I'm offended." It's like, "Well, you also you knew what you were buying when you bought it." So well, it's reading yeah. it's reading the room, but on both yes. sides. You know, yeah, I'm exactly. Like, yeah, the audience needs to. There's there's a responsibility, I think, of the audience too. To it's a a cursory Google search could tell you what you're going to watch mm-hmm. that night. You know, yeah, like going to a movie theater and being like, I thought this was a comedy and it's a drama. It's like, what are we doing? Right, here? right, right. It's like yeah. the comedian didn't break into your living room while you were having, you know, a church group there and then start you know, talking about yeah. their dick. That didn't happen. <laughs> you walked into a stand up comic. Yeah, like Those- why is there a why is there a mosh pit at this show? Because you went to see cannibal corpse yes you know i mean like you have to have some kind of some kind of yeah i don't know like aware like like self-awareness you know i think that we in general are very much not self-aware in the united states these days i think everybody has to kind of take a step back and i don't know just as i get on my soapbox here just grow some thicker skin and just like realize it's not that it's not that serious all the time i think that's universe i think that's universally applicable to everything Mm -hmm. No, I'm with you 100%. Just got to grow some thicker skin and just chill out a little bit. Where, well, last question I have about comedy. Mm -hmm. You have to eat shit a lot when you come up. And obviously, like I said, you've been doing it for 20 plus years now. Where's like the worst place you've done comedy? It doesn't even have to be a club, it can be like, you know, a, a, you know, a home for old people uh, anywhere. Like, where's the worst place that you remember being like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm actually doing five, 10, 15 minutes here? 
I, this is a uh, extreme, but I did a show in a, um, I don't know if the word homeless shelter is correct. It might be a halfway, like a halfway house okay. sort of situation. Those guys need happiness too. I agree. And they didn't tell me that that's, they just gave me an address and you, you I just showed up and it was the, not that they in we're joking about like, oh, if I knew I would be able to be like, okay, I'm walking into a halfway house. It's going to look like this. Some people, you know, are trying to turn their lives around. They've been down on their luck. I know to how like what to expect, but I was expecting to go into, you know, like a bar or room or like, you know, like, and I'm like, what is this building? <laughs> what is, what is going on in here? And then they're like, oh yeah, you know, it's this or whatever. I go, all right. And it ended up being like a, gr- that ended up being a really good show, but like I've had bombs where I had one, I was so it was the one of the drunkest I've ever been in my life. And I came back this is like, do, do you mind if I tell the story? It was like a, right. like a minute or two. Okay, cool. Um, so I go, I came back from LA. I was living in LA for 10 years and came back home to Philly. And I think Mike Rainey was doing a show in, and I sent him a text and I was like, Hey, do you mind if I like drop in and do like five minutes tonight? And he goes like, yeah, of course. He's a friend. It was very nice of him to offer that. So before my now wife and I go to like a wine and paint or whatever, <laughs> and I drank two bottles of wine there and was just so drunk. I painted like our family golden doodle and I show up to the venue just trash out of my mind holding a painting of a like a hypoallergenic dog for no one knows no one knows why and then i i, I was late of course because i couldn't find my way there and then i actually should apologize retroactively apologize to mike for this because i show up he brings me on i bring the painting out with me because i didn't have anywhere to put it so i put it up against the stool and the crowd's like oh he's probably going to talk about the weird dog painting that he brought in didn't acknowledge it once did not come up and i'm i'm bombing i'm not making any sense and then i saw the no one's laughing so in the front row there's a few dudes with like their arms crossed so i'm like oh this will work and i run up to them and i started tickling them to get them to start laughing because i thought in my mind laughter good how to get laughter not jokes tickles so and i'm lucky the guy didn't knock me out and then i told the crowd that a local comedian had died in a car accident that night which was not true he was perfectly fine and healthy. in my mind that was funny and Pete, someone started crying because they knew him and was like really upset and i go no, no i'm kidding i'm kidding it's just such <laughs> such a disaster i like and went over comedy, my time. everybody yeah like right. and i videoed it i put a video like my camera back there because i'm like oh this is something i can use to put out into the world and then I didn't watch it for three years. Finally watched it like a year or two ago. And I'm like, this has to be deleted. This is the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. So yeah, that was, that was, I don't drink uh, before I really go on stage anymore. <laughs> After that. Holy shit. That was a rough one. God. Well, Brutal. So you, you did live in LA. Phillies are good now. Yes. Um, Eagles are, are four and oh, you know, when you're out there, like what's it, what's it like on the scene out there, you know, being like a transplant, in another city and everything, you know, are you like, you know, going to bars, you know, everything. Do people get behind? Like, you find people, you know, that are Phillies fans or Eagles fans and everything. What's it like being a transplant in another city when your teams are actually good? That's a great question because LA is very specific where it's all transplants. So it's not here. You we, you wouldn't be like, oh, where's the Eagles bar? It's like you just find anywhere and find any structure. And there it's every single bar on Sundays is a different 
bar where it's there's a Bengals bar, you know, there's a Seahawks bar, there's and there was a great Eagles bar. I know they moved, but it was at a place called Happy Endings, actually. And <laughs> this was, I think, uh, one of Chip's fine when we won four games that year and it, there were no happy yeah, no endings happy. that year. But we when they're good, it kind of doesn't matter where I wouldn't go into uh, like, you know, downtown Boston wearing all my Eagles stuff, you know, like being like, yeah, because yeah, yeah. like you're going to have conference. I just don't like confrontation like that. But in New York or sorry, in, in L.A., you can just do it because you'll see more Eagles fans. And a lot of people in L.A. don't care about sports. So I remember when the Kings won when I was living out there, I had no idea. Like you wouldn't be able to know here in Philadelphia if the Flyers, God forbid, they ever win a Stanley Cup, the whole city will be shut down. If there's a parade, it's a national, it's it's a holiday. No one will go to work. No one will go to school. But there, because so many people aren't from there, it's you find this. The Eagles community there is actually really, really, really good. Where there'd be 150, 200 people at one bar, and then that was on the east side. LA is so big that there were multiple installments of Eagles bars and so many Eagles fans where there was another one in Santa Monica at a place called the Britannia that is an awesome uh, bar as well. And then when you go to games out there, I'm sure you've heard of this. You can see it on TV. It's, it, it was when I was living out there, 60, 40 Eagles fans to Rams fans in their own stadium. And I think a lot of people are going to go out there. I'm going on Sunday to the game at SoFi Stadium because, you know, it's a nice weather place. And also it's this brand new spaceship that they put out there where, you know, it's supposed to be a cool. It's going to be such a nightmare getting in and out of there. But I am (laughs) all the PTSD of travel going back to you in L.A. (laughs) I just don't show up to my flight. My wife gets on the plane for some reason and I don't. Um, But yeah, it's it's a cool you kind of try to prove yourself as an Eagles fan, which is kind of the gross part where I saw, I would see people trying to be more quote unquote Philly than each other. And then it's just, no, you're just being an asshole, right? Like this is, I know we have that reputation, but it's like, well, I'm my pace. Also the 10 AM games were so brutal out there because you would go to a bar, start drinking and eating at 10 AM and then just one o'clock your days, like it's just, all right, now I have to just keep doing this all day that was what i flipped the script on you the eight o'clock games over here suck more you get them at 5 30 and you're done by 8 30 and you still kind of have a little bit of your day left it's like the new uh pitch clock Mm -hmm. rule when the game's over by like 8 30 9 o'clock now and you actually like what do i do with my extra hour or two right right do i go do i get dinner do i go grocery shopping what do i do after this after this game it's It's a good point yeah i was watching the eagles at like 10 a.m in san diego like what the hell what the hell is this like, I yeah. just have no idea what to do. I, also, it was weird. So I mean, I was at a uh, like a union game in L.A. like 10 mm-hmm. years ago. Like Union were playing at L.A. Galaxy or something. Cool. And everybody started to leave with like 10 minutes left in the game. It was a good game, too. I like look mm-hmm. at the person in the press box next to me. I'm like, what's up? Where's everybody going? And he's like, oh, they're trying to beat the traffic home on the. Yeah. So they're leaving the game early. I was like, oh, this is like crazy shit. I've never seen anything like this before. Yeah. It's wild. And I remember watching Phillies playoff games in like 08 against the Dodgers and seeing that there was no one in the stadium until the third or fourth inning. And then I lived out there and I was like, yeah, no, you got to leave seven hours before the game starts. It's yeah, no, I, I kind of do. It's a, it's an awful stadium to get in and out of Dodger mm-hmm. stadium and, and there's no public transit. So 
tailgate culture isn't great there too, which is a bummer. And yeah, that's kind of, that was the thing that I realized, but why is nobody hanging out? And it's because you would have to get a fleet of Ubers to bring you in there or you're sober and driving. And yeah, it's a very strange. Yeah. Like what would they even cook? I mean, yeah. What would they even cook in California? Like tofu or, you know, Mexican in the world. Oh, that's true. They do have great Mexican. Real, real Mexican. Yeah. Yeah. Real Mexican. yeah. That's very true. Yeah. And no, they are actually, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say one of these days I'm, we're going to do a show where we just get a bunch of comedians and musicians on and we just uh, share stories about all the shitty venues that we've played in like over the years. <laughs> I, I think half of my live shows I ever played when I was in bands, the only people in the crowd were like our girlfriends. Yeah. So we played yeah. in front of like three Three, three do you like the wife coming to your shows yeah she's great she like doesn't she's seen me for so long like she's seen it you know so like she the we have an, a, an understanding where just assume you shouldn't come to it because you know, she has a life so like don't come to the show but then i'll be like oh hey i'm you know, when I open for people, I'll be like, oh, this person's funny. Like, you should stop by for this one. We can have like a fun, go out for drinks afterwards, get dinner, like make an actual night of it. But generally with me, or if I'm like, hey, I'm working on this new thing, I'd be excited. This is a great show. Like, you should come see it. And then she'll she'll go generally. But yeah, there's just so many shows. And she obviously, she went to the special. I think I'm, do, I'm doing a show in Asheville in late November. So we'll go to that together, go hiking, you know, go to the breweries and stuff down there. So if it's a cool city, she'll go. But if I'm, you know, going to some horrific place, it's I'll see you in a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, if you're playing Delco, she's probably not coming. No, 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 no. She's probably not going to uh, Sligo and Media, um, where I've where I've performed recently, which is actually a great show. It's a funny comic. Peggy O'Leary runs a show there, but yeah, Peggy's great. And but yeah, no, she's generally good. The issue, my biggest issue when my wife comes to a show is generally I have control over this, so it's not a big deal. But if the comedy club tried to sit her in the front. Oh, yeah. because then other comedians would like fuck with her and her friends i would be like oh that's not going now i, I used to be so meek i'd be like oh could you please and i go hey i can't perform here if they're sitting i just can't do it like it's just too stressful it's not going to happen and then for the stand-ups it's not good because they're like oh i was talking to this lady you know like making fun of her in the front I'm like yeah that was my wife and then it's like oh i'm so sorry and it's just you know such a nightmare so yeah uh, you can't it's an it's a no that is the worst <laughs> That's the worst thing because I know the tr- yeah yeah so but no she's she's great yeah she couldn't be more supportive. Well, do you have any shows around here that you want to plug or anything around here that you might want to plug that someone listening would want to go see you? Yeah, I have. I haven't looked at my. I've been so. I think just the special Daddy Long Legs on YouTube. I, I'm really yeah. psyched with how many people yeah. have seen it so far, and you know, you Philly guys have been so supportive. Like, first of all, you two for having me on. I can't thank you enough. Truly, like I used to have the uh, Kelly Drive shirt that was a Crossing Broad shirt mm-hmm. for a while. This is before I think maybe both your times, but yeah, yeah I've been. Yeah, yeah reading this for for yeah. years so this is a really cool thing for me to do and i did Preston and steve this morning they were great and 
yeah, it's uh, so thank you to everyone who's watched it. Daddy Longlegs on YouTube, Blake Wexler, all social media. And then I do random spots around here. I'm sure I'll have like a headlining date in like at Helium probably in 2024. So right. yeah, I'll definitely stay in touch. Cool. So go follow Blake on uh, on social media and keep up with his dates and everything. I like I liked the special a lot, man. The one about the ghost thank tour you. was really funny. The ghost tour, the tourist that doesn't respect. Oh, thank you. Ghost. That's okay. so nice. Thanks. Dude. Uh, you're a crazy person for the humane mousetraps. That's an insane thing. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah, real. well, that's also not true. That was the one lie in the entire special. We okay. have those sticky, those those horrific glue traps, those massacre, starve to death Good. or chew your leg off traps. <laughs> Thank God, because I was like, this man, I'll step on it a little bit, but I won't step on enough that people- No, please go for it. Why. But the fact that you would drive seven and a half miles to release a mouse around a neighborhood that would then just go back into other people's houses, which is funny, <laughs> is insane, though. I would uh, that mouse is in the trash on the corner of my street in Philadelphia because I've done that 100%. Before. Yeah, humanely killed if you find it before it uh, yeah. scares itself to death. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I threw that in the trash bin and it might have suffocated. But, but, um, but <laughs> like, thank you so much, man. We really appreciate it. Um, good luck with everything and, and go. Uh, and go stream uh, Daddy Long Legs on YouTube. Thank you guys so much. Big fan. Go Birds. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye, Bye everyone. See you. Cool. Uh, well, we're going a little over. Uh, we can probably hold Red October talk, Phillies talk for Wednesday when it's we can react to a game. I don't really think. Like, Kev, name one Marlon. Uh, Jesus Luzardo. Hey, that's because you just saw the game one pitcher. Name another Marlon. Um, Jake Berger. All right, that's Luis pretty good pool by you. Araya. I think a lot of people would say Luis Arreyes, or people yeah. would say um, Sixto Sanchez, who I think is forty pounds heavier since we. Uh, Jeans now he got let go by. Real quick, um, are you are you like actually worried that they're no. going to lose? Tomorrow? Yeah. No, and I'm not worried because of Red October and what's going to happen in Citizens Bank Park. They're not coming in here and winning two games in Citizens Bank Park. It's going to be insane. Yeah. I agree. I think it goes to three, but I think the Phillies win. I just you I think it goes to three. If That's you're fair. scared of the Marlins, get a dog. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're not going to lose to the fucking Marlins. I know the regular season was a regular season. Yeah. They always have our number and everything. Yeah. But it was, seven, might be it was seven starting seven. Weston Wilson in left field because of the lefty matchups and stuff. I'm still <laughs> just I just yeah. can't be bothered. It, yeah. We are we are on a crash course to play the Braves, and whatever happens there happens there. That's going to be amazing. I agree. As long as, as, long as Anya Hernandez is not uh, behind the dish or anywhere around the field, we should be okay. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. But hey, great to be back, everybody. Really appreciate you, everybody who tuned in. Thanks to Blake for coming on. Once again, go stream Daddy Long Legs on YouTube, and uh, we will talk to you. Next.